Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, it's Pastor Jim. God bless you. It's good to be with you again today. Thank you for everybody who helped out with our Easter services last weekend. It was a beautiful experience, and I'm so thankful for everybody who prayed for those services ahead of time, who showed up to help set up, who welcomed at the doors, who stayed afterwards to help clean up, and who brought friends along. Thank you to everybody who put your hands to that. It was a, it was a great day of worship And the church would not happen without all the volunteers that make it happen. So thank you to every single one of you who were were in one way or another involved in making uh, the Easter Sunday happen. Thank you for that. Uh, And speaking of which, if you're new to the church, if you've just recently come through, maybe you're brand new for the first time today, volunteering in the church and one of the ministries of the church is a great way to get involved, to get to know people, to make the church feel like home to you, to make it feel like it's your church. And if you would would like to get uh, immersed in real life, or if you've been around for a while and just haven't taken that step yet, maybe check in with somebody at one of the welcome tables today and say, hey, I think I'd like to volunteer. Help me find a place to serve. And uh, that, that would be That'd be great for you. It'd be great for the church. Uh, I love it when people take that step and find that God blesses them in new ways because they've taken a new step in faith. So consider that today. Uh, we're going con- to we're going to uh, start a new series today, a new series of teachings called First Things, and it's a study in the book of Galatians. And the reason we're doing this is because Galatians is Paul's, probably his most passionate letter. It might be the first one he wrote, and it contains the heart of his message, the heart of the Christian gospel. It doesn't get any more clear than this. In this letter, Paul is fierce to defend the message that he preached from the very beginning against a a kind of a strict, angry religious legalism on the one hand and a wild, reckless liberality on the other hand. He, He wants to walk that middle path, the path of the gospel, the way of Jesus. And if you feel like over the last couple of years, you have been drained of some of your freedom, Galatians is the book of freedom. Freedom is the theme of this book. The the thesis statement of Galatians is Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Don't go back to the slavery to the law because Christ has died for your freedom. And so this is a book about freedom and it should give you a tremendous confidence, a confidence in Jesus, a confidence in the gospel, a confidence in your direction in life, uh, as you'll see as we go through these studies. So over the next few weeks, we're gonna read the letter to the Galatians. And by the time we're done, you should be able to say, I really know that letter well. Often, often we pick little verses here and there in the Bible, and it's hard to get it to all hold together. This is a, a style of Bible study that scholars like to call Lectio Continua, which is a kind of a uh, stained glass way of saying reading it uh, continuously through. And so we're going to read continuously through Galatians so that we know it well and so that we know the gospel well. I love this this letter. This is a powerful letter. I actually had this letter memorized in its entirety at one point in seminary. And uh, 
Uh, I think you'll love it too. As we get into it, you'll see, you'll see how good this letter is. Th- this letter is going to be for us. It's going to be our core workout. Uh, you know, when you go to the gym, they say you got to work on your core uh, because the core is central to everything else you do. Uh, uh, in fact, there was an article in the, the Harvard Medical School journals that uh, said that your, your core of your body is like the center link on a chain which, which holds the whole chain together. And, and the study said, the, the doctor said, that if you, if you have a strong core, uh, it has all kinds of benefits for your life. It'll benefit your, your work life, your daily chores, you'll be stronger. It, it'll benefit your play life because you'll be better at sports, you'll be stronger for sports. It will correct your balance and your posture, and it will improve your overall health. Well, the same thing is true for our theological core. When we work out our theological core, when we learn the heart of the gospel and make sure we've got that right, it does exactly the same thing as a core workout on your body. If you you work your theological core, it will improve your work life because you'll have a sense of calling a sense that your work belongs to God. It will improve your play life because your play life will now be bound by healthy restrictions that stop you from unhealthy habits that aren't good for you. You'll be inclined to good and healthy play instead of destructive play. It's good for your balance because most cults out there, most aberrant religious teaching just steers you off course a little bit. If a false teacher can steer you off course a little bit at the beginning, then you'll be far off at the end. But working your theological core makes sure that you know the the heart of Christian orthodoxy. You know what the, the central beliefs of the faith are all about. And that strengthens your posture, uh, your, your theological posture. Uh, the famous writer G.K. Chesterton said that there's a thousand angles at which a man can fall down but only one angle at which he stands up straight. And in the same way, we, we want to get our theological core worked out, so we stand up straight theologically. We believe and know the right stuff. And it, finally, your theological core improves your overall health. Honestly, it does. Because when you know how deeply Jesus loves you, when you know how much you're cherished and he will never let you go, that improves your mental health, which in turn improves your physical health. Working your theological core actually benefits your, your daily physical health as well. And so this is going to be our core work, workout, the book of Galatians. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you, you came down and walked among us so that we would know you and that we would know you clearly. And in this world of false teachers, in this, this world of wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, I thank you that you call us to clarity and to honesty, and to truthfulness. And I ask that by the power of the truth of your gospel, you would set our lives right. Help us to find healthy life like we haven't known it before. Help us to live confident and free life, turning away from recklessness and legalism to stand on your gospel. Jesus, by the power of your spirit, put us on right paths. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, we're going to get to it here. God bless those of you who are worshiping on the Glendora campus today. Uh, Bless you. If you're on the Glendora campus today, say, God bless you.
Thanks, I can hear that all the way over here. God bless you if you're worshiping in the Valley Center Chapel just at the other end of this campus today. God bless you if you're worshiping online. I am so thankful that we can worship in so many different uh, ways wherever we are. And so now wherever we are, we're gonna open our Bibles to Galatians chapter one at verse one. We're gonna start right at the beginning. Lectio continua is that stained glass word. We're gonna read through it from beginning to end. Uh, Listen to the word of God. Paul, an apostle, sent not for men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever Amen. Now that is the standard Greco-Roman letter writing structure. You say who it's from, you say who it's to, and then you say a brief word of thanks. But Paul gives everything his own little signature. So it's from Paul, it's to the churches in Galatia, but now he starts to give hints as to what's on his mind as he's writing this letter. So even from the beginning, from the introduction, you can kind of see where we're going here. Paul, Paul wants to say, uh, I didn't get my message from from man or not from any man. I, I got it from Jesus. And, and so Paul's authority is in question in Galatia. We're going to see this as we read the letter. He wants to say, no, 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 listen, I got my message from Jesus. I didn't borrow this from somebody else. And he, uh, and he identifies Jesus here, the one who gave himself for our sins. Because the way we are made right with God is at the heart of this letter. And so Paul gives us little hints at the beginning of where he's going. And then he uses his famous signature greeting, grace and peace to you. Uh, Peace was the common uh, Hebrew greeting. Shalom was the uh, common Hebrew greeting. And Paul adds his own little Christian twist, grace, because grace is what he celebrates in Christ. So this is his greeting that he gives to to most of his churches when he writes his letters, grace and peace to you. The the deal is, though, the, the letter to the Galatians is his most angry letter, and you're about to see it full force. So this is the only letter in which his famous greeting, grace and peace to you, is most appropriately le- read through clenched teeth, right? He's, he's going to be, you're going to see how mad he is, okay? Uh, here it goes. Brace yourself. Put your earplugs in. Uh, hold on tight. Uh, uh, offer your prayers of confession because Paul's not in a good mood when he writes it. And here it goes. Verse six. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. We're going to have to unpack this. We're going to have to look at what's going on here. What has got him set off in such a bad mood? Remember, Paul's method is to go to a city, Gather the Jewish believers, tell them that their Messiah has come. His name was Jesus of Nazareth. 
and then go to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people, and say the Messiah is for everybody. Come and join our Christian movement. And then once he gets a little church going, he puts elders in charge of it, and he goes off and he starts another church. But when the, the elders who are in charge don't know what they're doing, they write Paul a letter and they say, hey, we got some problems here. What do we do? And Paul's letters are often responses to those. So, so Galatians is a letter written on the road. Paul's already driven away. And as he's driving away, he gets bad news from Galatia and he writes back. So this is a case of literary road rage. Paul's mad at the Galatians. Here's what's going on. Paul has gone to Galatia, which is not a city, it's a region. He's gone to the region of Galatia. And he's preached a message which says, you are absolutely free in Christ. You who have been Jewish people who've grown up under the strict requirements of the law, follow all these customs, don't eat these foods, you can only eat these, follow all these ceremonial washing rituals, keep all the holidays, circumcision was a big one. You have to do all these rules, all 600 laws that are in the Old Testament or else you're in trouble. That was the Jewish law. That was, that was the practice of the Jewish faith. Paul comes in going, Jesus died for your sins. All you have to do is believe. And it's every bit as dangerous as you think it is. All you have to do is believe. Just trust Jesus. You don't have to live by the law anymore. You're free. Well, now some teachers have come into Galatia after Paul left and looked at the Galatians and said, hold on a second. You can't just do whatever you want to. That'll be all kinds of craziness. You have to follow all the Jewish laws, circumcision and everything else. You have to follow all of them. And then if you want to love Jesus too, that's great. But don't you give up on those laws. That's what you have to do. And honestly, they've been a very, they've been compelling teachers. They've gotten an audience in Galatia. And the Galatians are starting to think maybe Paul was wrong. Where'd Paul get his message anyway? Maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's distorted it. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He's somebody else. So Paul is passionate to defend his own authority. I got my message from Jesus, not from anybody else. And to defend his gospel. This is the, this is the heart of the message of Jesus. Don't get this one wrong. See, what the, what the Jewish teachers are afraid of is that if the Galatians begin practicing the kind of freedom that Paul preached, all kinds of recklessness will break out. All kinds of misbehavior will break out. You know what I mean? You, you get worried if people have too much of a sense of freedom and then they, they live, a, live to party on the weekends, right? That's what, that's what the teachers are afraid of in Galatia. It's kind of like something I saw happen when I was in seminary. I went to, to Princeton Seminary many, many years ago. And uh, there was a, a guy in my uh, entering class. And uh, you start with your junior, junior year in seminary. Your first year is your junior year. So it was one of the new juniors. And... Um, he came in, and he had come out of an incredibly strict religious background in Louisiana. Very conservative, small southern town. He had never lived outside of his parents' home, and his parents were strict religious fundamentalists. Do, follow all the rules. Life is about rules. God's going to be mad if you don't follow the rules. And so this was the first time this young man had lived away from home. It was the first time he had lived away from his community. It was the first time he was around anybody who wasn't a religious fundamentalist. He had never experienced freedom before. And so in those, those first couple months, there's a, a big party every year called the Rat Dance. 
uh, and uh, we had this big, it's held in the kind of a foyer of a, a center foyer courtyard of a dorm, and, uh, and people kind of gather and stand around. It's called a dance. Nobody really danced. We were, you know, snooty Northeasterners, so we we're too good for that. So we, uh, we, but we're all standing around, uh, just kind of hanging out, talking to each other um, in, in our new context. And running down the hallway of the dorm comes this guy from Louisiana with not a thread of clothes on him. Uh, and he hadn't been doing any core workouts, you guys. And uh, he runs down the hall and out the other door. And everybody's just kind of stunned and frozen. And we're all thinking the same thing. This isn't going to go well. <laughs> this, this kind of freedom is not going to go well. And that's, that's what the teachers of the law in Galatia are thinking. Paul's preached a gospel of freedom. This isn't going to go well. They are going to destroy themselves with their recklessness. And Paul steps forward to say, don't you go back to the law. Don't you go back to strict religious legalism. That's not what I preach to you. And my message didn't come from a human being. It came from Jesus. I came to preach to you freedom. Let me show you what that freedom looks like. And that's what Galatians is going to be about. Galatians is a letter of freedom to those who have escaped religious legalism but are now at risk of returning to it. And Paul does not want his gospel compromised because this is the heart of the message of Jesus. Everything hangs on this message. Paul realizes how much the world has changed as Jesus has walked among them. There, there was an ancient Greek uh, scientist, we call him now, a philosopher is what they called him in the day, uh, but he was uh, really an early physicist. And, uh, and this early physicist, began to study uh, levers. Uh, his name was Archimedes. And Archimedes uh, figured out that levers could allow you to lift or move greater weights than you could with your own physical strength. If you could find a fulcrum and balance a lever on it, you could push things harder or further than you could without it. He, he even said, kind of dramatically, if I could get a lever long enough and find a fulcrum on which to put it, I could actually move the world. If only I could find a place to stand, right? If I had something to stand on, I could develop a lever that would move the entire world. Well, in the 16th century, Martin Luther, great reformer of the church, found a place to stand, found a place to stand from which he could move the world. He was brought on trial by a strict religious institution that had abused the teachings of the Bible in order to make money and power for themselves. And Luther chastised them and criticized them and wrote letters against the church. And they told Luther, you'd better recant. You'd better take it all back. And Luther said, my conscience is held captive by God's word. I cannot and will not recant because to deny one's conscience is neither just nor safe. Here I stand, I can do no other. God help me, amen. And from that came the Protestant Reformation. The reason you and I today are sitting in a church that's not a Roman Catholic church is because Martin Luther led a revolution that changed the history of the world. He found a place on which to stand. If we stand on the word of God, the gospel, the message of the gospel, the message of Galatians is a, is a lever and a fulcrum which can move the world. And Paul knows this, and he will not have it compromised. The reason Paul is so 
angry in this is not because he's another strict religious person. It's because he's mad at strict religious people. The only people that Jesus ever got in conflict with were strict religious teachers who used their religion to put other people down. And that's why Paul will say, how could you turn back to that gospel, which is really no gospel at all? And and though that message is 2,000 years old, it is absolutely critical that you and I understand it and feel it and live it today. Because look around you right now. You know all kinds of people who have grown up in strict, oppressive religion and have now rejected it and run to reckless, self-destructive freedom. And they miss the gospel along the way. Or or you know people who grew up with with a, a reckless kind of freedom where people did not honor healthy boundaries and they ran to a strict, angry, religious legalism and they've missed the gospel along the way. A lot of them still fill churches, but they're not living in the gospel because the gospel is a message of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't turn back to strict religious legalism. Don't turn back to that oppression and miss the gospel. Paul's, uh, Paul's opening here is fierce. He's, he's going he's gonna to mellow as time as time goes on, uh, as we read through this letter. But, but he is intense to defend the gospel. Martin Luther, by the way, uh, loved uh, the letter to the Galatians. Luther would say, um, uh, I love Galatians. It is my letter. I am wed to it. It is my wife, Martin Luther said, of the letter to the Galatians. So uh, given that he was married, I'd say that's a pretty stupid thing to, to actually write down. Uh, for, the, for the two young guys in our church who just got married in the last month, uh, choose better words than Martin Luther. That's my advice to you. Choose better words than Martin Luther. Um, the, the, the letter to the Galatians is the Christian Declaration of Independence. It is, it is the Declaration of Independence from the monarchy of strict religious legalism. And it is a call to the grace that we find in the cross of Jesus and the freedom that comes from the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Some people think freedom means having no leader. Freedom means having a good and healthy leader. And having the Holy Spirit lead us from within is exactly what the letter to the Galatians is about. The message of the gospel is that God made you with purpose. He absolutely recklessly loves you. He walked among us so that we would know him. And he died for you. He died for you. And now he wants to spend every day with you. And in the end, he has a plan for your eternity. The message of religious legalism is you are only as good as your behavior and you have never been good enough. And you're not ever going to be good enough. So you'd better put on a pretty good show for the people at church. You better fake it till you make it. And and maybe if somebody comes along who's lived a worse uh, worse life than you, then you can look down on them and shame them. That's the big reward for, for following along with the religion here. Paul does not want the gospel of freedom and love, the message that comes from Jesus. He doesn't want it polluted with the legalism in which he was raised. Paul's going to call us through the course of the letter from law to spirit, from law to grace. Paul wants people led by the spirit from within. 
and he wants a church filled with the spirit of freedom. And, and here's, a, here's a little hint of what that looks like. There was a, an old priest who had a tiny little church that was kind of fading away. It had run out of people and it was running out of money and he was really kind of making a last-ditch effort to try to hold the church together and keep the doors open. He, uh, he, there was a, an elderly woman who volunteered in the office once a week to just do a little cleanup and, and chores. And he said to her, we, we need to rent the church out, so maybe find another church that wants to rent it on Sunday afternoons because that's all we have, so, so go out and find that person. Well, she called around, but nobody wanted to borrow this tiny dilapidated building, and so she, uh, she did something a little sneaky. Without telling the priest, she rented the church out for a quinceanera. Quinceanera is a birthday party for a, a 15-year-old girl in Hispanic cultures, and it is a giant party. It is a huge party. It goes late into the night with loud music and lots of food. It's, it is a blast. And so she rented the church out for a quinceanera, and she didn't tell the priest about it. So one day he's driving down the road in the evening and he sees the lights on at the church and he goes, oh, she must have found that church that uh, I told her to, to rent it out. And maybe for some reason they're having a, they're having a service in, in, the, in the middle of the week on an, on an evening instead. And that's fine. But great, we've rented it out to a church. So he couldn't even find a, a spot in the parking lot. There were so many people there. He went and parked on the street and he walked into the church and there was, there was loud music playing. People were laughing. People were having a great time. It was a party. And he thought, this is the most enthusiastic church I've ever seen. I, the, the, whatever they're doing, it's working. And so he kind of sat down in the corner and he watched uh, whatever, watch people enjoy their food and have a great time. And then the, the father of the little girl stood up to give a speech. And he gave a speech in Spanish, which the priest didn't understand. So he thought this was the sermon and that the guy up front must be the pastor. And the, the father spoke eloquently of how much he loved his daughter and how he was proud of her. And he even, he even cried a little bit. So he de described how much he loved his daughter. And the priest, thinking he was hearing a sermon, but in Spanish thought, this is the most impassioned presentation of the gospel I've ever heard. This guy knows something about Jesus that I don't. The priest remembered how in his younger years he had preached with such passion and how along the way it had gotten lost. So he left in the middle of the party, kind of overwhelmed. And he, he went to church the next day and he asked the, the woman who volunteered in the office, she sa he said, I want you to send out invitations to every house in this neighborhood. I want you to invite them to a party. Tell them it's going to be on Sunday morning. Tell them there's going to be free food for everybody. Tell them there's going to be a live band. And tell them we have great news. Well, the neighborhood had always thought this church was dead. They didn't think anybody was even there anymore. So they got these invitations and heard that there was a free meal on the church's dime. So everybody showed up. And on Sunday morning, there was a crowd at church. And there was a, a band that had been paid to come and play. And they, they played music and everybody loved it. Everybody ate a free breakfast and it was amazing. And the, the priest stood up and apologized for losing the vision that he had had at first. And he said, he thinks he's discovered what the church is supposed to be about. He thinks he knows what the church is for, and he doesn't know how he lost it. And he gave a sermon in which he talked about Jesus with a kind of passion they had not heard in years. And the church revived. This is what Paul wants to do with 
you and I. Paul wants us to turn away from stale, dying, lifeless religion and embrace the passion of the gospel which calls us to love and freedom. Paul has lived a painful, angry kind of legalism. That's that's what he was raised in. He's taught that kind of legalism. At one point, it led him to kill Christians because he thought they were leading people astray. He knows the damage that legalistic religion can bring, and that's not what he wants. So if you've grown up in a tired, stale kind of religious legalism, if you've been burned by legalistic churches, or if you're embarrassed by the the angry legalism that you see of Christians in the media, Galatians is the letter for you. This This is what Paul wants us to walk away with. When Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet. And a wedding banquet for the Jewish culture in the first century world was a party, a huge party, a party that lasted for days. Paul Paul wanted them to embrace the, the party that was to come as they lived out their faith in the world. Enough with religious legalism. Enough with churches that only leave you with boredom and condemnation. Jesus said, I'm going to throw a party and the invitations are to go out everywhere. And there will be people who say they, they're too busy for it. They don't want any, any part of it. We're just going to invite somebody else in their place. There will be religious people who say, I'm not going to go to a church that's a party because religion is supposed to be serious and sober and solemn. And Jesus says, fine, skip over those people too. If they're not going to come, go out and invite the homeless. Go out and invite the the deaf and the blind and the, the, the lame. The blind don't even know where they're going. Just grab them and drag them in here. Go out and invite anybody who will come. Because, because when God walked among us, God in the flesh, which is Jesus Christ, he didn't come to create a religious world. He came to let loose the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God should free and open your heart to a healthy life lived by the guidance of the Spirit, a life lived in love and faith, not for careless, recklessness, but certainly not for mindless legalism. It is a gospel by which Jesus died to set you free. Jesus says, if you want to be with me, you're joining my kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a party. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you, thank you that you called us to such a great thing. God, help us to steer away from a mindless religion that just makes us want to follow rules or or make other people follow rules, the kind of religion that kills the heart. Protect us from recklessness. Don't let us abuse our freedom and, and live in a dangerous kind of recklessness, but instead help us to walk that path of the gospel. Help us to live every day, to hear your voice, to obey your word, and to live in your kingdom. Jesus, set us free. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. Go be the church. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. 
If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.